0: Welcome to Can, Can we, we Talk, talk About, about this? this? I'm your host, Amberly from The Power of Birth. And I'm your producer, Rogel from Bee Designs. And together we created this podcast to talk about women's health and the things that really matter. We have a real passion and focus on women's health and wellness and overall emphasize the importance of talking about maternal health. We chat to experts and continue sharing your stories. We're here to start the conversation, raise awareness, spread the word, call out gaps in the system and implicit biases. And we hope you learn something or even if you're just screaming yes, the entire podcast, this is not a place for small talk. We're about real talk. And when we know better, we do better. And we challenge you to start this conversation elsewhere. Did you know you can find further resources on thepowerofbirth.net via the printable resources tab that includes things like a hospital bag checklist, postpartum toolbox, pelvic health information, and so much more. Don't forget while you're there to subscribe to thepowerofbirth.net for your free printable motherhood affirmations. I hope you love them as much as I do. Birth trauma, a very heavy, confronting, and uncomfortable topic Yet, so necessary in a world where up to 45% of women perceive birth as traumatic. One in three describe their birth experience as traumatic, and roughly one in 10 go on to develop PTSD following childbirth. One Australian study even found in 2017 that up to 17% of midwives were experiencing PTSD. Today, I am chatting to Dr. Rosanna Pajak, an experienced clinical psychologist who specializes in trauma-informed work and is passionate about supporting parents following birth trauma. She created the Birth Healing Collective, which aims to support new parents following a distressing, difficult, or even disappointing childbirth experience, making psychological support available to more parents when needed. She has a hell of a resume, and she's here today to chat to me about all things birth trauma rosie thanks so much for joining me today hi thank you for having me so i'm really curious to know what led you to do this work in birth trauma specifically and why you're such an advocate for birth trauma support yes okay
1: well um when i initially uh, did my clinical psych training in the uk which is where i'm from um, i knew immediately that i wanted to work in trauma and ptsd it's always been uh, an area of interest for me and so I did a lot of work in sort of specialist trauma services uh, before I actually moved to Australia and began working in the perinatal space and to be honest I think what happened was that when I started working with women and families after um, after having a baby sort of any, any kind of postnatal mental health I was actually just blown away by how much trauma I was seeing And I did not expect that. I did not expect to move across into perinatal work and bump into all of this trauma. And maybe I was seeing it more because I was a kind of trauma professional before. Um, But I think I just sort of thought I need to understand this more. And the more I did, the more passionate I became about the whole issue of birth trauma. Um, Because I think it's not just that birth is inherently a Terrifying, traumatic, horrendous event. It's not even just that we have lots of emergencies happening, although, of course, you know, when obstetric emergencies do occur, there's a lot of potential for that to be really traumatic for the families involved. Um, but I think the more I worked in this area, the clearer it became that so much of this comes down to a, a lack of psychological safety for birthing women. And it has such an impact afterwards on mental health in just such. range of different ways it feels like it's something that needs much more attention and conversation um, and change
0: Mm, yeah and I completely agree with you and I love that you got curious about this and you've really found uh your your I don't want to call it a niche because I've heard someone call birth trauma a niche before and that really annoyed me because I was like yeah. it's one in three women like it's not a niche yeah. <laughs> but you know your your specialty your special interest you know and following that curiosity and you know now you're doing such wonderful work so we love and appreciate people like you that take that initiative. Um, I wanted to ask you though for those who are not sure because I know that there are varying definitions of birth trauma but what's your definition of birth trauma
1: yeah it's a good question because it is a very um broad term actually at the moment and i mean birth trauma is used now to refer to both physical like physiological birth injuries and psychological trauma so as a psychologist i focus more on the psychological aspects i suppose but of course a physical injury has a huge psychological impact too both in terms of the experience of that injury occurring and the after effects of dealing with that injury when you're transitioning to being a new mum. So I think the thing to remember as well is that birth trauma is broad in that it doesn't just uh, encompass what happens at the birth. We're also talking about trauma that occurs in pregnancy, in that latter part of pregnancy where things are starting to get rolling with, with the birth process and in the days and weeks kind of immediately after the birth. So if there's an increasing sense of perhaps Calling it perinatal trauma um, and recognizing that there can be, you know, a few different places where trauma can occur. Um, but essentially, when we're talking about birth trauma, we're talking about having a birth-related experience that creates a sense of fear, horror, or helplessness at the time or immediately afterwards. Um, that then goes on to have a bit of a lasting effect on your well-being and your day-to-day functioning so we're talking about a birth experience that's kind of deeply psychologically challenging and can continue to affect you
0: so would you say that that is mostly for post-traumatic stress disorder or would you say that this does include other levels of trauma
1: Definitely, I would say this includes other levels of trauma, and that I think is is an important distinction to make. Like, what's becoming increasingly clear is that a lot of the research in this area focuses on PTSD, because you know we often, um, I think medically, psychologically, in terms of research, we study particular kind of diagnosis. And there's there's been a, a zooming out that's been happening in the research space around looking at birth trauma as a broader phenomenon, not just PTSD, because what we know is about sort of three percent of all women after giving birth will go on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder and have the kind of full symptoms of that happening for them. But about one in three women will sort of define their birth as traumatic. And the way I understand that is that we can have Uh, some of the symptoms of PTSD so we can be traumatized or somebody can be traumatized by their birth experience and be experiencing some of those PTSD symptoms such as some of that kind of intrusive memories of the birth and and particularly kind of that um, what we call hyperarousal so being sort of stuck in a very heightened activated state, which can make you quite anxious quite irritable quite jumpy um, having kind of ongoing negative feelings about the birth and and it having left you with quite a lot of difficult emotions. um, Of course there are lots of people who would experience all of that but may not meet all the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder because a lot of that is dependent on exactly how long it's been going on for, how frequently those symptoms are happening, how intense they are and how much is disrupting your day-to-day life. So if we think about that as sort of the top sort of few percentage of people who might reach up into that diagnostic category, there's probably, and we know there is, a huge number of people who would be experiencing some level of trauma um, affecting them psychologically, um, but not necessarily meeting that criteria. So we would call that sort of a subclinical um, birth trauma mm. or PTSD, subclinical PTSD. And we there's studies that estimate that that's up to 45% of women. So this is not a small phenomenon we're talking about here.
0: Mm. So can you tell us then how to sort of recognise birth trauma? So being PTSD, and I know you've just mentioned some symptoms of subclinical levels of trauma, Mm. but maybe PTSD in particular, what are some signs and symptoms of birth-related PTSD?
1: Birth-related PTSD. So birth-related PTSD is probably the thing that we would most commonly think of when we think about PTSD is the idea that the Memory uh, of what happened has has not been... Actually, what's happened is, is that at the time when the experience is happening, your body and your brain is essentially just in full survival mode. So when that happens, our brain actually cannot process or lay down the memory of the experience in the way that it would lay down lots of other memories that are sort of moving through our life. Um, so one of the key kind of symptoms or groups of symptoms of PTSD is when the memory of the traumatic experience itself starts to kind of come back in afterwards. And this is actually the brain's attempt to process what's happened. It's sort of intruding in on your day-to-day life, um, essentially saying, I need, I need to be processed. So we get fragments of that memory, thoughts, uh, physical sensations, um, images, uh, maybe little clips of video almost in your mind that might play, um, it can even be sort of smells, very sensory, often very raw, and those memories come back in. So this can also be nightmares, Uh, it can be flashbacks during the day, it can be intrusive memories triggered by seeing something uh, on social media or driving past the hospital or anything like that that can trigger those memories. Um, And it's pretty, it's happening by itself and it's quite distressing when obviously when those memories come back up like that. Um, The other things that, that we would perhaps need to remember that come along with PTSD as well is that we have a lot of avoidance so understandably there's strong attempts to not not think about the birth not talk about the birth um, and to avoid anything that might trigger those memories Um, and often this is where PTSD develops is that we get a bit stuck between the brain trying to process what's happened and trying to avoid thinking about it which means that processing can't happen and we get stuck here And getting stuck is is quite a a thing that I associate with PTSD. It's this idea of essentially we're stuck in this feeling of ongoing threat. So actually one of the things that happens with post-traumatic stress disorder is that there's this ongoing feeling that the danger is actually still present. The body and the brain hasn't adjusted to actually fully hold the fact that that's finished now and that we're back in a safe place again. So we might know this cognitively, of course, but it's about physiologically, there can be this ongoing heightened sense of threat that's happening in the body. um, And also a lot of kind of ongoing negative feelings and and, um, strong sort of negative emotions. And I think after a difficult birth, it's very common to have strong feelings of failure, uh, shame, Mm. guilt. Grief and loss over what was missed out on is really a common part of birth trauma, and um, an anger too about the experience. So this can look pretty different. I guess you know, even PTSD itself can actually look will look different for different people, depending on on what it is that they um, that they went through.
0: Yeah, PTSD. I think is just in my own readings, it's actually a fairly new term. In regards to birth, I think prior, I would say to the early 2000s, late 90s, we weren't actually recognising that this could happen to women. I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but what happened to those women prior that were experiencing this and there was no help? Like, what would have happened?
1: I think, I mean, and I think we deal with the legacy of this today, that it's just dismissed as, well, that's childbirth what do you expect it's kind of it's yes. I think it's the the legacy of that that we live with today is that we we shouldn't expect to have a good experience childbirth is just awful um at least you have a healthy baby let's just move on um and I think I mean yeah if the, the history of childbirth is, is a long complicated one in terms of how women have been helped or not through that and it and and we continue on to kind of deal with that today obviously I think it's an ongoing um Ongoing journey in terms of of how childbirth is navigated by our society for women's well being and mental health. Like we've we've potentially come a, away from from before when when birth wasn't even recognised as an event that could be traumatic,
0: um, but mm-hmm. I think we've still got a hell of a way to go. So when someone is experiencing birth trauma. And they aren't receiving support or even validation from their family, partners, friends, mm. whoever. How does this affect the person who is experiencing birth trauma? I what mean, what are the consequences of dismissing and invalidating?
1: The isolation is is really big there, right? Like, I think it's not easy to talk about a difficult birth experience anyway. But mm. if that experience is dismissed, then there's literally no space to go back and actually think about it, feel those feelings, put them into words, um, and we know that that's one of the big things that helps us to process it, is to have a safe, supportive uh, response, which can hold the emotions that are associated with the birth, which can help someone to tell their story in a way that helps the brain to process it. and reflect on it in a different way over time. So yeah, I think when, when, when we're not able to access that validation, um, one of the things that can happen is that, um, again, people get just kind of get stuck. And in that transition to being a new parent, what I often see is that people are left reeling from this horrendous birth experience that they had, but they are taken straight into having to cope with having a newborn. So that takes center stage. Right. And this is one of the things with um, women's mental health and postnatal mm. mental health is that, um, you know, the baby is the focus, understandably. But I think it can be all too easy to forget that that mother is the person who holds the baby and we need to be holding the mother. And that's a big part of mm. my work as a perinatal psychologist. Um, and. We do see that like the the impact of when the mother is looked after emotionally, psychologically, of course, she is much more able to look after and psychologically tune into and enjoy their baby. And that has a really important sort of flow on effect. Um, So to go back to your question in terms of what happens if somebody is not supported with birth trauma. My sense is that it kind of just lingers there unresolved maybe a proportion of women, again, if we're talking about this kind of subclinical level of birth trauma where they're not sort of experiencing lots of high levels of trauma, uh, of PTSD symptoms, but nonetheless have kind of been affected by their birth. I think a lot of women kind of try to move on and try to get on with it, try and put that birth behind them, focus on the huge task of being a mum and trying to figure out what that even means and try and like deal with all the other huge adjustments that are happening in their life at that time. Um, and sometimes that doesn't ever really get to an opportunity to kind of go back and deal with, with that birth experience. Um, sometimes it leads, it can make that adjustment more difficult because if birth is our entry into motherhood, um, a traumatic birth has a lot of knock-on effects as well on in terms of things like being separated from baby, bonding with baby after that, breastfeeding challenges so in my experience it can make that whole transition more complicated um, which can almost intensify some of those feelings of failure or guilt Mm. or shame that might be swirling around in that transition and I think this is probably what I see more than more than anything in this in this subclinical group of of people who have experienced a traumatic birth is is just that it it, it doesn't help them thrive postnatally it's not um, it's it it makes that transition to being a parent which is hard enough anyway it makes it more difficult if you're coming off the back of a very traumatic experience and haven't had much support to work that through
0: Mm, i relate to a lot of what you just said (laughs) in terms of subclinical yeah Yeah. absolutely it um it becoming a mum like it like it it sort of changes everything anyway when everything's going really smoothly right like everything this is a whole new adjustment a whole new world you're you you quite literally have to learn how to mother this is Mm -hmm. I don't really think that a lot of it is instinctual like you certainly can have instincts um but you know I I I didn't know how to breastfeed I definitely needed support and damage control in terms Mm -hmm. of breastfeeding you know so I think a lot of it um, assuming that we just know what we're doing and we're on our way and here we are alone trying to navigate it ourselves is not only really difficult on your own but then throw in something like birth trauma i just i really feel for these women going through this and experiencing this on their own and I, we know it doesn't just happen to the women and people who are birthing it can also be partners and healthcare providers and you know it it does extend beyond um the person birthing but I wanted to ask you as well because you you mentioned early on birth is not inherently traumatic I have been asked that question over and over and over is birth inherently traumatic and I and I think that there are a lot of people out there that do believe this Mm. Um, so what 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 is it about birth that makes it traumatic
1: such a good point I think that I mean when we give birth there are a few things that Perhaps set that up that it has a lot of potential to be traumatic, but I don't think it actually is inherently traumatic. Um, we have we're going into a place of immense vulnerability, right? Physiologically, physically, and psychologically, birth is probably one of the most vulnerable experiences we'll ever go through as a human being, um, and that that vulnerability, um, and you're bringing your baby into the world. Um, the other the other thing that goes along with that is that this is a deeply psychologically emotionally important experience for most families most women and i think when something carries that sort of level of like we know it's important it's a, it's it's a day we're going to think about we're going to remember um, you're probably only going to do it a, ha- a handful of times if that it's the birth of your child um, so it carries that psychological importance and it's a very vulnerable state so possibly th- there's something in that where we are vulnerable to it being traumatic you're you're pretty reliant on the care of others in that situation um, and yeah we're, we're we're very vulnerable when we give birth
0: mm. definitely and I think, A lot of people purely think about maybe the obstetric emergency factor. You know, like when when we can look at predictive factors of birth trauma, obstetric emergencies is obviously a big one. Mm. Things becoming almost out of control. And I liked how you talked about psychological safety. So then when you're feeling out of control, that goes out the window then Mm -hmm. too, right? You are extremely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I know things like um, previous sexual abuse as well can also impact your birth experience. What other things aside um, from maybe your history can um, affect birth trauma or impact birth trauma? Yeah, so um,
1: there was... A sense, I guess, that we know from the research that you're more likely like birth trauma is perhaps your high risk. Maybe this is a better way to put it. There's a higher risk of birth trauma if you have a history of um, sexual assault or an abuse history, Um, perhaps also if you've had some mental health issues in pregnancy or um, we also know that it's more likely with a first baby. I think there can partly because there can be more obstetric emergencies. I think partly because it can just feel more more frightening uh, when it's the first experience that you've had. So there's different factors that kind of come into play there. Um, but one of the most one of the most important things I think to understand about birth trauma is that there is always going to be um, section of all birth experiences where obstetric emergencies occur. And in those scenarios, like it is frightening, it can't not be. Um, It is something that, you know, sometimes there are really difficult twists and turns that birth takes, Um, and potentially there's going to be some feelings of trauma there that arise for some people. But what we are seeing is so much, um, I guess the rates being so high and the, Experiences that people are talking about is, 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 is about more than just obstetric emergencies. So, one of the um, pieces of research that I always come back to um, was that there was a study in 20, it was published in 2012, which actually found that one of the key, um, the strongest predictor of somebody developing PTSD from their birth was actually the quality of the interactions with their caregivers. And that's like flag- phenomenal. So it's, it's m- not just about what happens in the birth, it's about how that happens. And it's about how safe or unsafe somebody is made to feel as they are travelling through the twists and turns of giving birth. You know, birth is complicated, but we know that there are some really key things that can happen along the way in terms of how involved people are in decision making, how in control they are allowed to feel how respected and safe and um, how much trust they can feel in the people around them. Um, And I think also if we think about psychological safety, I would really also argue about there's something about how calm and regulated and safe people are helped to feel as scary things are happening. So, you know, the, Mm. the simple experience of having somebody use physical touch, eye contact, reassuring voice, I'm here, you're gonna be okay you know, we can underestimate sometimes how that can make a massive difference in the middle of something traumatic. It's not always possible, but I would say that it could be done more potentially um, because as human beings, we co-regulate, right? So we, we take our psychological safety from the presence of another human being. That is what makes us feel safe from infancy. And I would argue all the way through our life, right? We go and we get our partner for a hug And we feel soothed and we kind of talk to a friend and we feel better and we do this like when we feel less alone and when we feel held and supported, our body actually goes into a place of safety. So I think there's something in that that maybe explains why when we're going through something so vulnerable as giving birth, that's potentially why a positive interaction with a caregiver can make a massive difference and a negative interaction can make a massive difference. We can't underestimate the power of this stuff.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I also think it's completely bizarre that we're sort of just figuring this out.
1: I agree. <laughs> I know. And I think this is what struck me when, like I said, when I went looking to the research to be like, what's happening here? When, when I saw all of this trauma happen, I, I don't think I expected, this is before I became a parent myself. I, I don't think I expected to find this when I went to learn about mm. giving birth. And unfortunately, one of the things that's happening, I think, is that women are potentially finding out all of this information after they've given birth, experience, a difficult experience, maybe part of um, working through that afterwards. If you seek support and they're looking to kind of make sense of your experience, you start to learn about all of this. But it's not necessarily something that we even are talking about on a, on a broader platform.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Okay, I want to get to how we can support each other a partner whoever Mm. or ourselves when it comes to having a traumatic birth so what are some ways to cope and what are some I guess recommendations that you would give if someone was struggling so I mean I think
1: um it would begin first and foremost with that recognition that like a traumatic event has potentially occurred and, and thinking about what might this person need so mm. in the very basic sense it's about recognizing um and really asking how that person is going how are they going um before like generally how are they going with this adjustment to parenthood you know quite often we don't sit down um, and actually ask everyone comes to see the baby maybe nobody really asks how are you really going what's happening Um, But I think checking in about the birth specifically as well uh, at different points and holding space for them to tell you honestly like their thoughts and feelings that they've been left with. We know that being able to um, just hold space and validate um, somebody's feelings can help them then put words around what might be swirling around inside And that's actually a really key part of processing any emotion, any experience, and enabling us to kind of put words around it and digest it um, and actually sort of process and feel lighter. So I wouldn't underestimate as a friend or family member what you can do by um, taking that seriously and encouraging somebody to to seek support as well. If you're concerned that their birth is affecting them or they're not doing well postnatally, so perhaps just starting to agree that they can raise it with a health visitor or a GP and just see what options are available for support because there is um, support available and it's important to get a sense of if there is symptoms of PTSD there are particular treatments that are going to be helpful if there's that all of that kind of subclinical birth trauma again very much there's there's things that are going to be helpful in terms of psychological treatment Um, and we also have to remember that birth trauma It doesn't just uh, show up as that sort of PTSD sort of symptoms that we talked about earlier, but often it's a key factor in postnatal depression. It's a key factor in being left with a lot of postnatal anxiety. So I think um, all of those things are really just labels for different types of challenges that might be arising in that postnatal phase um, and helping people to make sense of what it is that they're going through, how that birth might be part of what's happened. Other factors might be coming in too in that adjustment to parenthood because we all bring our own histories and you know every baby brings its own challenges. So there's always a lot of things in the mix I find when you're thinking mm. about post mental health. Um, but yeah, I think that's an important starting point is just recognizing, checking in, validating, holding space and encouraging people to take it seriously and give that some attention. It doesn't just have to be forgotten, moved on from. um, We we need to move past this idea of like, oh, but you have a healthy baby. You can just focus on that now. Um, It's not that simple. If you've had a traumatic birth, you've gone through something that you probably never have experienced anything like that before. And it will have shaken your confidence and your sense of trust in yourself and the world and other people potentially. Um, and Mm -hmm. if it's having ongoing effects in terms of how you're feeling, then that really deserves attention.
0: Mm. It's interesting. I just had sort of a memory come back as you were talking about sort of the, I find a lot of the time the, particularly if it's the first baby that you're Mm -hmm. having, the excitement of the baby sort of overrides anything else. So, you know, it's like, when can I come see the baby? Or they just come to hold the baby or, you know, and you, like you were saying before, it's like we don't just hold the baby, we have to hold the mother. And I guess that's, you know, a part of the process um, as maybe a, a companion or support person. Mm. Um, but I was just thinking in those moments, like, so I, I had what I would describe as a traumatic birth. And I remember being wheeled out of surgery and back into – the maternity ward to meet my husband and baby and i was sort of sitting there like dumbfounded like i know that's not birth. like what just happened and you know my husband's holding my son and he's just like wow like check him out and i was just like oh yeah like i haven't i gotta hold him my hat can i can i hold the baby like it was mm. you know you're all in a really confused dazed state and then his parents walk in <laughs> I can laugh now. I can laugh now. (laughs) But it's like, you know, after a 24-hour ordeal, and, like, I still have nurses and midwives coming in and, like, pulling things out of my vagina and, you know, like it was Mm -hmm. just... So I just found a lot of the time, and I learnt very early on how important it is to hold the mother in those um, situations and just in perinatal, the year beyond, you know, after... And I learned from that experience almost to the point where I completely ignore people's babies. Yes. because of that experience and I'm, I'm all about you the mum. you know yeah like I, i'm baby. exactly He's the beautiful same. but <laughs> i'm like
1: I'll, I'll get to know this little baby later that's not what like i you know i'm more than happy to get to know that little baby later but i'm exactly the same i'm <laughs> like Is this about you how are you going and i often find when, I, when mm. i'm texting my friends if that's if someone's had a baby um that's very much i'm like how are you going say, how are you feeling um, well, how are you feeling about what happened at the birth? How are you feeling about breastfeeding? Um, you know, we don't—we don't just need to, to focus on, on, on exactly what's happening there. Um, we need to be thinking about and creating a bit of space to process what's happening. You know, one of the things that happens in new parenthood is that you are everything, including your own psychology, is actually rea- rearranging around that baby. Um, so you know, if we're becoming increasingly tuned into baby signals, uh, there's almost even less opportunity to tune into your own oh I'm not okay and and when I work with people postnatally that's often a big part of the work is to actually try to find times throughout the day throughout the week where am I at oh my god what do I need do I need to go to the toilet yes uh, do, would I like to have a shower eat something yes you know we're talking basic needs are hard right to tune mm. into and meet so you know thinking about how you're going to find space to deal with trauma um, very hard like tends to not be something that people can, can deal with right away but I find that you know if, if we can have a bit of time and space, whether that's informally with friends and family, to begin to process that experience over time, as little bits of space open up in the practical chaos of the newborn, then there might be, that might be enough to help people d- sort of make, make sense of that experience and shift into a perspective, I guess, because this is one of the thing that the big parts of healing from a difficult birth is that if we have been left with feelings of failure or shame or guilt on behalf of our baby, um, and there's uh, there's lots of sort of self-critical or or distress sort of emerging there, then whilst all of that, again, is still very valid, one of the things that can help with going back and revisiting that experience is that we can perhaps begin to access a different perspective and begin to unlock some self-compassion, begin to make sense of what happens if we start to see some of the contextual factors that are happening with birth, which may exist much more broadly than just our own birth, um, can help us unlock some of that self-compassion. And ultimately what you'd hope is that maybe we can shift to a place of seeing the the strength and the survival um, and having compassion for ourselves for going through a difficult experience. Um, So these are some Mm. of the key shifts that can happen with going back and and actually having time to revisit and process um, as well as the kind of literal processing of the trauma memory um in itself and laying that down in a more organized way
0: do you find that that's more effective on say the woman or the person's terms so rather so you know i think about an example you know let's say a friend of mine had a traumatic birth experience and i'm like you know you should really go and talk to someone i'm really sorry that that happened to you and i and i do all of the what i think are the right things but they don't necessarily go and get that help would you say that it it support actually wouldn't be that helpful when they're not open to it like they have to be in a place where they're ready to accept and and I guess unpack and dive into it?
1: yeah, I think usually I think we you know we cannot um we can never force anyone else's recovery or or, or sometimes even our own right like if mm. if i um, if I think about my own my own journey as a parent and my own therapy as a psychologist like I have dealt with and talked with different things at the point when I've been ready to and sometimes that's been years after starting <laughs> something in therapy so I think having you, there is a sense of like when when you're ready you'll be ready to, to talk but what's really important is if that opportunity is never available if the support is never there if you don't know that it's there that this is a thing that's possible mm. then you you can't even begin to think about accessing it when you do feel ready So, you know, knowing that something is available and there is an emotional support there um, is potentially, like I would say, like one of the most important things. And, and, you know, and and sometimes that might be around also helping a friend or family member to work through some of whatever barriers might be there in in coming forward. You know, it's not always easy to ask for help. Um, Mm. A lot of people don't like the idea of going to see a professional, don't feel like they're going to understand um, maybe have to try a couple to find the right person for you. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes maybe understanding what are the barriers and actually just checking if there's ways around those that might make that more possible.
0: And I also think having conversations like this, and this is why they're so important and they're so vital. It's because if we're more open and honest about that these things can happen and that you're you're not broken and you can be you can feel like yourself again and you know having. Having those detailed conversations of also where to seek support as well, that that can also help people and break down those maybe mental health stigmas and barriers as well. Mm. So yeah, I really see the value in just talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about vicarious trauma then, mm. because yeah, okay. does this look different, and I guess are the effects different? Like, you know. And how does this happen, I guess, for, for people who are new here and maybe don't understand how a partner could experience birth trauma because it didn't happen to them, for yes, example, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I think vicarious trauma essentially is is a, a word that's used for the experience of witnessing or even just hearing other people's trauma. So um, we might think of vicarious trauma um, happening in... Sort of, uh, I don't know ICU nurses, for example, like not going through that themselves, but like repeatedly having to come into contact with lots of trauma. Um, I th- I used to work in the um, uh, when I was w- working with trauma before I started working with perinatal trauma. We uh, I worked with a lot of organisations who support asylum seekers and refugees. And torture survivors and obviously they are like constantly those people who work in those organizations are also hearing these stories uh, potentially without Mm. much support or uh, yeah sort of support to process everything that they're hearing so this is this is what I think of when when we say vicarious trauma it's is that it the the toll that it takes on a person of kind of witnessing and hearing other people's trauma And what we know about that is that obviously some of those stories will stay with you and then stick in your mind and come up um, in a very similar way as, um, and come up in a very similar way as, as if you had experienced it yourself. So you will have, you can have images and visual and memories and it can kind of intrude. And, uh, and that's something that people who work with, with any kind of trauma will will learn and have ways to cope with. Um, But also, what we know about vicarious trauma is that it can, essentially, because trauma shakes our foundations of, it kind of shakes up your assumptions of how the world works and how people work. Um, so if you are experiencing and, and witnessing lots of of trauma in your work or all around you, that can take its toll over time in in, in really changing how you see the world, um, mm. and and perhaps some of your core beliefs about your your sense of your own sense of safety other people's sense of safety um and and yeah and how the world works and i guess how birth works if we're talking about birth trauma so i think this is really important in terms of um the systems that we birth within because you mentioned about midwives experiencing symptoms of, of ptsd and you know I, kn- I know during covid midwives were exiting the profession in their droves because that was so difficult to be having to go through the, all the constant changes in policies and procedures. And that taking precedence over what was happening for the women and the birthing families, and that, conf- that conflict, like I think there there's a, there's a lot of, um, there needs to be a lot of thought about the fact that if we're birthing within traumatized systems, that's going to affect the birth experiences mm. of the women and the families that are going through those systems. Um, It can lead to, I think it can be one of the things that contributes to that sort of potential high levels of intervention that we have in Australia and and higher levels of of sex section than we might see in other places in the world, that cascade of intervention. Um, I think it probably also just contributes to that sense that risk management is the priority and potentially mental health is less Mm. of a priority of the the women in the center of it all. Um, And that idea that you just have like overwhelmed, (laughs) understaffed, burnt out sector um, where routine and risk management probably win out over the individual autonomy of the woman or the birthing family. And then this is an issue when we're thinking about the fact that birth trauma is so related often to lacking autonomy and lacking safety and all these experiences that we're hearing about in terms of people being coerced and pressured and losing their sense of control over the process of their own birth, um, that then has a big knock on effect in, in terms of postnatal mental health and well-being. Um, so we, it's not okay, like we have to try to find a way to
0: fix all of this. Mm. Big statement, but I I I, like you I'll say. try to figure that out. <laughs> no, no, I, no, it was really interesting what you were saying particularly when you were talking about hearing um, about traumatic events constantly or births or, and things all the time. It, it reminded me of, um, I've forgotten his name. It escapes me, but he's behind, uh, he's the founder of Team Human. I'm not sure if you've heard of him before. He's over in the States. But he talked about how the difference between um, receipt, a sort of Uh, being traumatized through auditory systems so he basically was saying that he used the example of uh, you may remember it uh, when trump was president of the states and he was building the wall and there was all that chaos Mm. with the mexican immigrants Mm. and so basically he was telling the story and he said you know people would see pictures in the paper for example of you know these children behind bars and things like that and you know that the stories about them like being ripped from their families and all these terrible horrible things happening and then it wasn't until nothing happened until um like a leaked tape of the children screaming when they were being taken from their families did anything happen and he sort of really goes into like this auditory trauma of like it wasn't until people heard the trauma of other people, then did they feel like they should do something, but yet they've been seeing wow, images everywhere, that's so yeah, and I thought that was so powerful and I, when I apply that to just trauma in general, but then also specifically birth trauma, um, you know uh, midwives, if we were going to use them as an example, maybe they they see birth over and over and over, and they see the same obstetric emergencies and they see that, and that obviously has an impact over a period of time. But I often wonder if it is the sound. I think we just mm. underestimate how powerful sound is. Yeah, and, and particularly in the birth room as well. That's really yeah. interesting. Sorry, I've gone
1: on a yeah. tangent. Yeah, no, but this is. I mean, I like. Yeah, I love it. Um, that's really interesting because it makes me think about like that. I think like language matters, and this this is something which people often talk about mm. a lot in, in all kind of trauma informed spaces. Language matters. The words that are used in the birthing space matter a lot. Um, mm. The tone of voice matters, right? And, and again, we come back to psychological safety. Um, you know, the, the way in which something is said, the way in which we is the way in which we're cared for, and it alerts us immediately as to whether we're safe or unsafe. Tone of voice. Um, I think we will very, very, very intuitively have a sense of like, am I really being thought about and cared for here, or am I a problem? in a busy maternity ward, where no one's actually gonna Mm -hmm. care what I want to ask for, or I don't feel like I can ask because the one's so busy. Um, And I, I, you know, nobody, like the midwives are incredible, obstetricians I think are incredible, there's many that do a phenomenal job. I don't think anybody goes into work thinking, I'm gonna cause some trauma today, but there are systemic factors here, and there are often, um, what I think we're bumping into is, is, some of those, yeah, some of those more systemic factors that, unfortunately, then just just trickle down. Um, and I think, in terms of vicarious trauma, we also know, like, there are coping mechanisms that we as human beings have. Like you said, with those videos of really traumatic materials, we shut off. Like, you know. Mm. Do we sometimes need to take a break from watching the news and absorbing all of that content? Like I know I do. Sometimes I need to take to come back from all of that trauma. There are times where you think I can't keep taking all of this in. So if you work within one of those spaces, and we we think about this a lot when we when we think about the um, the vicarious trauma of the police force or the vicarious trauma um, of journalism is another one, right? Like they repeatedly exposed to lots of images and videos. there there are coping mechanisms like very dark humor and potentially like an emotional numbing and a kind of shutting down and just getting on with the job that people as mm. human beings we use these to be able to function in these difficult spaces um and again like there are times where that's going to be useful or good for your job it's times where it's going to be difficult for the person for a, a woman trying to birth in that so um you know trauma-informed care and even more, more basic than that, just kind of respectful interaction and, and, and that kind of care. In order to move towards that, I think we also need to resource the systems that we're birthing within um, and take care of everybody who's working in that space as well.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I think it's such a big topic, isn't it? Because it really does affect everyone, yeah. And you know, I really wish I could solve all those problems. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but
1: yeah, too. it's bigger than us. <laughs> it's bigger
0: than us. And 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 yet, you know, I think
1: this is where we can try to. And I think about this a lot in terms of um, the birth healing collective, in particular, where to, for for me as a psychologist to move out of one to one therapy. And um, you know, when I set up the birth healing collective, it was around wanting to be able to bring psychologically informed advice and support to more women, more families um, who've had a difficult birth. One of the things I've I've thought a lot about is that this is, you know, this is potentially like responding, not necessarily solving the problem, which is a systemic problem, never ever wanting to put that on an individual level to need to be solved. Um, Mm. And I think about this particularly when uh, There's a whole section of my work, both in my individual work and with the Birth Healing Collective programs that I run around um, supporting women as they go through their next birth after trauma, when people want to give birth again is usually a very tricky time. And I've thought long and hard about like we it's difficult, right? Because if we're saying that we're going to help somebody prepare to go through that process again and navigate through that system and um, take care of their own emotional well-being as they navigate through a a birth experience after trauma, um, whilst we don't want to put that on the individual to have to take responsibility for somehow having a a better experience. um, I also don't think that women can wait. For the system to change and catch up, we have to be doing both at the same time. Um, we have to be trying to improve the entire system and addressing those systemic factors, uh, whilst also equipping women to go through and demand change. Every individual woman that goes through a maternity system and demands better care and finds a way to find her voice and seek out um, like respectful, informed, collaborative care with caregivers is also creating change one person at a time over time. And I think that's really powerful too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I did want to ask you about the difference between grief and trauma because I often see parallels, Mm
1: -hmm. but I
0: know that there is a difference. Are you able to articulate that? (laughs) I think there's something
1: around the brain trying to process something that is almost... unprocessable <laughs> if that's not a word but yeah like something that is so difficult for us to wrap our heads around and really both psychologically and emotionally is taking you to like the edge of what is you're able to hold um that probably runs both through trauma and grief right like it's it's an experience that has gone beyond what you feel like you can psychologically handle um and yet mm. you have you are going through it or you've been through it or you are in it uh, and I think that then the, our mind has to find different ways to kind of cope with that. Um, often grief and trauma are intertwined, like you say, because the experience of pregnancy loss or stillbirth is also a trauma. Like it's one of those events which is we recognize as traumatic. Um, and I think often if we've lost someone too, like those experiences are where you might hear about that or if it happens in a very sudden shocking way or if you witness that that's, that's a trauma too so they, they they would go sort of side by side in many ways as well um, and I mean when I think about birth trauma um, perhaps for most people that we've sort of in, in, in the way we've talked about birth trauma today with that sort of big subclinical group of of women who have had a difficult birth experience I actually think grief is an important thing to bring in here because sometimes um, I have worked with people who have said I I don't know if like the trauma part of birth trauma fits for me completely like I'm not uh, necessarily really still really traumatized or horrified by what I went through Um, but oh my god the grief of what I missed out on and those deep Mm. feelings of kind of disappointment and loss um, that's the work, and I would still say for me that I, I put all that in, in with birth trauma because it's to do with, 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 with the experience of giving birth and having had a difficult experience. But um, this is one of the reasons why, like, when um, I set up the birth collective, birth healing collective, I wanted it to be for people who would resonate with that definition of birth trauma. And say, yeah, I, I had a traumatic birth experience, but also, um, you know, the, the, the language that I take care to use is also about having a difficult, or distressing, or disappointing birth experience, um, and that's really is to, 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 to make sure that we're capturing that experience of grief that comes along with missing out on a really important experience in some way.
0: I just had a thought. This, I might be backtracking a little bit, but when you were talking about hearing lots of stories and things like that Hmm. do you i know that there's sort of like there was sort of this movement on social media for a while and it's probably still there about boycotting traumatic birth stories um for somebody preparing for birth obviously that's a given i think um but a lot of these women who had traumatic birth experiences under this conversation really felt like there was no place for them anywhere mm. in the birth world. Mm. What do you think traumatic birth stories should be shared? Like, what's sort of your perspective here? Oh, I think this is so complex.
1: And honestly, it's something I'm still yes. work, working through in terms of um, my birth healing program that I'm setting up and developing and continuing to, because I'm continuing to develop the, the way in which this looks, because for an individual person to be able to come and tell their story um, and create a sense and have a sense of community, of a community that understands, yes, for that individual, that's really helpful. For potentially for each other to hear, some people hearing other people's stories is less helpful. And this is where I think we get, it gets really complicated because um, I definitely know that for some women, um, hearing somebody else's story that is more kind of, Uh, perhaps has more of an obstetric emergency than their own can engender some of those feelings of shame of like well hang on that's far worse than what I went through so actually I even really be Mm. here can raise that kind of question one of the things I think we have to come back to when we talk about this is that we can only really move forward with this if we recognize that nobody else can define whether a birth experience is traumatic to any individual woman because what can seem like an a straightforward maybe medically uncomplex or you know vaginal birth or or whatever to somebody else can actually be deeply unsafe and feeling really quite scary and out of control to that individual person um no one else can ever know what the internal experience of a traumatic birth is like for the person at the centre of it all. Um, and lots of things can be playing into that uh, in terms of pain levels, in terms of um, your brain's tendency to dissociate from difficult experiences, in terms of your past experiences, lots of things might be coming into play. And so, um, yeah, you're, we need we need to recognise that the only person who can define whether a birth experience is traumatic is you. And it's, it's very individual and it's all relevant
0: like it's all valid if you feel it is well that sort of leads me into the question regarding perception and the role that perception plays in birth trauma there's a lot of discussion around this lately um where women feel like they when we talk about um, perceiving birth as traumatic they feel like it's victimizing and that it's their fault Mm -hmm um there's i've just seen lots of discussion around this so i thought i would ask the expert uh, what what role does perception play in birth trauma i mean i think
1: the tricky thing about this is that as human beings um we are always perceiving and making sense of our experiences in different ways and I guess if we if we zoom out from birth trauma and see that as that's something that's happening for us as human beings as we walk around the world all the time, um, you know, even something as basic as like if I walk into a cafe, my experience of that is going to be different to the next person that walks into the cafe. It's the same cafe, but we might experience the smells, the sights. We might look at different things. Um, it might mean something different to me when I see what's written up on the board than it might mean to the next person. It's like an inane example, but we all we all. We have our experiences, and then we have how they enter into our mind and our body, and what they feel like to us. It depends a bit on that, on that little slice there, which is the perception. It's kind of like the lens through which we view things, and what they feel, experiences feel like to us in our body. Um, and that's just part of being really complicated humans. That we are all going to have, there's going to be differences there. Um, I think if where we maybe need to be careful here. Is that we need to make sure that we recognise that role of, of perception in that if it feels if you're in a state of, of unsafety and trauma whilst giving birth, then it's going to feel traumatic. Like if you felt helpless and afraid for whatever reason, it doesn't you know it really doesn't even matter why. If you did not feel safe, it's then the whole experience can be traumatising. Um, but we also need to then look outside of you to look at what's happening around you in that moment and the role of support that of, of, of the other factors that were happening. Um, and this is where we need to look at the other factors that were involved in birth trauma, not just individual perception. So we, you know, understanding some of those individual factors, um, is helpful, but I think it's probably actually more helpful to focus on like what was happening in your birth at the time that you felt that like, and really understanding in terms of like w- were there interventions that were happening which you didn't fully consent to or agree to um were there interactions that were happening that left you feeling disrespected um or coerced or dehumanized in some way um was there an experience of of losing control over the the birth at that point um, whether that was a complete emergency or whether that was just that you felt pressured into making a decision that you didn't really want to make and didn't really feel supported to talk that through, um, whether there was kind of a threat or sort of felt kind of unsafe. So, so we have to be able to make sure that we are really never losing sight of those broader systemic factors, contextual factors of birth trauma alongside seeing that the individual perspective is a piece does that make sense I'm not sure if I explain that yeah totally
0: no I think you I think it does and I I also think you know a lot of the time maybe perception like you were saying is is blamed but it's like that's just simply associated to the events that happen to you it's not necessarily the cause yeah and I think a lot of the time people put it down to that being the cause yeah yeah. um but yeah looking beyond beyond the woman and but more like you were saying those systemic factors and things so yeah so that makes sense to me absolutely um now i wanted to ask you because there are a lot of women who suffer birth trauma but then have these really complex emotions around having another baby so they want another baby and they just don't feel like they could ever birth again so what are some ways that you can prepare for a birth after birth trauma
1: Mm. I mean this is where I think clinically this is where I see a lot of women with birth trauma actually is that sometimes they may not seek support uh, immediately after the birth for all of those reasons that we talked about and again particularly if that that's sort of just about manageable to kind of carry on like it's not great but they're kind of coping ish uh, and it's when that, that idea of another baby comes along, whether it's just the idea of it or whether it actually starts in, that there's a pregnancy that happens unplanned or planned, that can be when that birth experience comes back up and really mm-hmm. is kind of like needs to be dealt with. So I actually see a lot of women seek support for their last birth at that point. Um, mm-hmm. Out of an instinctive sense, I think that I need to, to deal with what happened and process some of the emotions in order to be able to go forward and have another baby. I think the common fears that come up uh, are really around, obviously, we we have a tendency to go, well, that's going to happen again. What if that happens again to me? And and everything that that holds, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go through the impact that that had on me, like postnatally, I'm afraid of going through all of that distress again. Um, And often, there's often a sense that, that I see in, in the women I work with of I don't I'm not even sure how I'm going to tolerate being pregnant like that whole pregnancy. I'm just going to be anxious about giving birth. So th- that's another whole area where it's almost like a fear or fear. I, I'm scared that I'm going to be so anxious in pregnancy that I won't be able to handle it and then the birth and then afterwards. So it's a it's a lot. Um, and I mean, what we know for women who've been through birth trauma is that they do tend to go on to conceive less children. They sometimes, um, there can be a strong sort of uh, choice for a more medicalised birth. And so, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just have an elective C-section and that's going to make it tolerable to rather than go anywhere near um, anything that could unfold. The uncertainty of birth is, a, is really challenging if you've had a traumatic birth before to kind of cope with the fact that birth is in its very self uncertain and has these twists and turns and every birth has some kind of complexity that happens. So that's a really mm-hmm. hard thing to sit with and tolerate if you've had a traumatic birth before. Um, so sometimes that can be why people opt for a more medicalized experience, but the opposite can also be true. So research also shows that we see that women will lean way back from the medicalized birth, probably because of some of the experiences that they've had that were traumatic, that they connect to that experience of care um, and potentially kind of opt out of that system as much as they can. So, f- for me, I think I see that, that there's a, a, a lack of trust in their, in birth and how that works in their body to be able to do it and in the, the medical system. And preparing to give birth again then, um, I would probably break down into three key areas. Um, the first being the importance of going back and really processing that last experience. So taking the time, finding the support to work through the emotions that happened, resolve any trauma, get treatment for any trauma symptoms that are remaining, um, but also just take yourself back to be able to talk it through with somebody and think about the different feelings that happened and kind of clear the, clear space a little bit emotionally for that next experience. Um, we find that that can re- You know, I find that that can reduce anxiety about going into another birth. Um, It means you can potentially, otherwise you're bumping into triggers as soon as you start stepping through the door into appointments, exams, scans, the whole thing, That, that past experience, if it hasn't been processed, it can just be lingering there kind of in a raw, unresolved state, just out of mind, but nonetheless like exerting all of this emotional pressure to make a lot of, to create a lot of anxiety. So going back and thinking about your past experience and as part of doing that, one of the really valuable things that often comes from that work is that you begin immediately to start to think about what do I want this time then? What needs to be different for me to feel safe, for me to feel like I have a manageable sense of control over this process? Uh, Maybe there are some things that I want to change about how this next birth is set up. Um, So that probably is like the second really key area is working and and one of the things that is wonderful about women giving birth after birth trauma is that there is a sense of confidence, I think, that comes from already being a mum, from having been through this once before, um, that women do tend to navigate through that system with uh, more of a focus on my experience matters. and how you know, I'm i not just gonna kind of go with the flow or perhaps listen to what everybody is telling me, but I'm gonna like women do their own research a lot more, sometimes for the second time, um, particularly if they had a traumatic birth and they're giving birth again, there's actually some, some research to show that women go and do a lot of their own education, uh, find their voice, uh, communicate about what they expect, find caregivers that they can trust. So there's a whole process here about trying to figure out what you need and getting that in place. Um, And then the final piece of preparation that I think about a lot is learning to work with uh, anxiety as you go through the pregnancy, because no matter what preparation we do, it's a scary thing to go back towards something that has been traumatic for you. It's a brave thing to do. So being able to learn across your pregnancy how to notice when anxiety is rising, how to tune into that, how to have some skills and strategies of how to kind of settle and soothe yourself and regulate your nervous system back down, how to notice unhelpful thoughts and respond to them in ways that are going to be helpful for you. Um, All of that work can also be useful not only to get you through what might otherwise be a really anxious pregnancy as the trimesters go on, Um, but also have some skills that you can actually use in birth and afterwards, um, which can help you feel a bit more confident to tolerate whatever sort of unfolds at the birth. That whole idea of tolerating uncertainty, learning how to cope with that, um, is is, is a big part of preparing to give birth again, I think.
0: Mm. I think in all of that, support is really the key and finding the right support for you and your specific needs yeah. in terms of your birth trauma and your the birth that you want and and the the support in term, in your birth as well. Yeah, all of those things. Yeah, there play a huge there's no right way to give again. birth,
1: and I and I talk about this a mm. lot. There is no right way to give birth. There is only what is the right way to give birth for you. So women, like we know that a positive birth, it doesn't necessarily look like a natural, spontaneous vaginal delivery, it looks like a birth in which the woman f- feels calm, secure, respected um, and, and involved in all of the decisions. Um, and that's that psychological safety that we keep talking about. So if we're thinking about that, then um, you know, for somebody after a traumatic birth experience, a positive birth might look like a planned C-section, which manages some of the uncertainty of birth and maybe even eliminates certain fears altogether and that's absolutely going to be like a positive birth. For somebody else, a positive birth after trauma would be anything but a repeat C-section, and it would be totally the other Mm -hmm. way. It's really a process of going, what what is going to work for me? And then, yes, how do I set up the supports that I need in place, practically in terms of who I'm going to be giving birth with, where I'm going to be giving birth, who's going to support my decisions and my choices here? And I think psychologically as well, I even mean, though who's going to sort of support me to manage this whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I have seen men, women go on and have these, these great experiences of giving birth, which, you know, no matter what unfolds in the birth, you know, sometimes things don't go to plan and stuff does happen. But if you're supported through it in a, in a way that acknowledges that you've had a traumatic experience before, and keeps you involved, lots of really good communication, lots of really good psychological safety being confused all the way through, that can feel quite, quite
0: different. It can really can. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you so much. Rosie, I so appreciate your time and all your words of wisdom here. And I've loved having this conversation with you. I just appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening and would like to share your story with us or feel compelled to talk about issues surrounding women's health, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. You can find us at The Power of Birth on Instagram and Facebook or on our website, thepowerofbirth.net. If you loved this episode, we would love it if you left us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and share us with your family and friends. The conversation has to start somewhere. Thank you again for listening and we hope you join us in the next episode.